Let's open God's Word this morning to the book of Psalms, where we will read Psalm 61 and Psalm 62. The text for this morning's sermon will be Psalm 61, verse 2. We'll read that psalm as well as the following. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto Thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For Thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in Thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of Thy wings. Selah. For Thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear Thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth. They curse inwardly. Selah. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance They are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. We read God's Word to that point. The text for this morning's sermon is verse 2 of chapter 61. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 61 verse 2 is an appropriate passage for us to consider on the occasion of a public profession of faith. That is true on the one hand, because as Clara informed us when we asked, this is her favorite Bible passage. It's a question I like to ask to the young people who come to make profession of faith. Do you have a favorite passage? And tell us why. And when that question was put to Clara without a moment of hesitation, 
she responded, Psalm 61, verse 2. And I paused and hesitated because I did not know that passage off the top of my head. So when I asked her, what is it? She could quote it right away from memory. And then gave a very beautiful explanation for why it's so meaningful for her. And any time a passage has such meaning for a young person, it makes an appropriate passage for a public confession of faith. But it's also appropriate in the second place because as those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ, we need this text. Because the reality is that when we make confession of faith, it's not the end of our troubles. It's not as though we've arrived spiritually and from this time moving forward, there are no longer going to be any difficulties. Far from it. If anything, the battle intensifies when we make confession of faith. We're we're marked as Christians and our enemies seek to bring about our destruction so that the troubles will indeed continue. There will be times where we feel as though we have no strength. There will be times where we feel overwhelmed. And that's where this Word of God comes in. Because in those times when we are overwhelmed, it gives us the very words that we need to bring to God as a prayer. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's the humble petition that we are given in this text. And it's a humble petition that our God will surely hear and answer. So this morning on the occasion of a public confession of faith, let us consider Psalm 61, verse 2, using as our theme the very words of the text, lead me to the rock. First, we will look at the overwhelmed heart. Second, at the humble petition. And then third, the sure answer. When my heart is overwhelmed. That is the exact wording, the exact language that's used in this text. When my heart is overwhelmed. And there's something altogether beautiful about those words all by themselves. For in those words, there is a reminder about how realistic Scripture is. The Bible that we have in front of us is not a collection of writings by people who lived in ivory towers. Nor are these words written to those who have an easy, carefree life, who are always on the mountaintop, as it were. But God's Word is written by those and for those who know what it is to say, when my heart is overwhelmed. Child of God, have you felt that way before? 
overwhelmed. That is, have you felt as though you're being buried under some great weight? Have you felt as though you are ready to drown as the waves, the the billows of a storm keep pounding into you relentlessly one after another? Have you felt weak and feeble? As though you have no strength whatsoever. As though you are ready to faint. David did. For the heading of this psalm tells us this is a psalm of David. And we have no reason to doubt the accuracy of that heading. So does David telling us, my heart is overwhelmed. And that leads us to ask, David, why? David, why was your heart overwhelmed? And if we put that question to David, no doubt there are a number of different things that he could say in response. First, he could say, my heart is overwhelmed because of the difficult circumstances of my life. And that comes out here in this psalm for the beginning of the text that we consider. It begins with the words, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. So that David, either when he is writing this, or very recently, had been at the end of the earth. And this is likely indicating that he is writing this in one of those instances in which he is on the run, he's fleeing for his own life. And because verse 6 makes clear that he's king right now, thou wilt prolong the king's life, that would indicate to us that this is not when this was written not in connection when he was on the run from his father-in-law Saul, but he's on the run from Absalom, his son. Difficult circumstances. So that David could say, my heart is overwhelmed because of this great trial, because of this affliction in my life. I'm overwhelmed because there's a storm raging all around me. And that's only what's on the surface. Because if we continued to question David and probed a little deeper, he could elaborate on this and give us a a second reason why he might be overwhelmed, namely, on account of his enemies. He mentions them in verse 3, Thou... For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. And for him to bring up the enemy means he's been dealing with his enemies. And this is something David had to deal with often. Certainly when he went out and fought against the heathen nations around the nation of Israel, he did battle with the enemies. But again, what's more likely in view is the fact that his own father-in-law Saul, and then later his own son became to him as enemies. They were hunting him down like a pack of wolves chase a deer. So that David could say, my heart is overwhelmed. Because my enemies have laid their treacherous snares for me. My heart is overwhelmed because my enemies surround me. My soul is among lions. And I'm ready to faint. And then added to that, he could add, thirdly, my heart is overwhelmed because I feel so isolated. Cut off from others. For he said at the beginning of verse 2, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. 
In that day, the center of the earth would have been the place where God was pleased to dwell in the midst of His people. The center of the earth back then was Jerusalem, and David is far away from it. He's at the end of the earth, far away from the center of the earth, telling us he's out in the wilderness. And this would have been reason for him to say, my heart is overwhelmed. My heart is overwhelmed because I'm removed from friends, from God's people. Friend and lover are departed. My own familiar friend has betrayed me. And everyone else is able to just go on with their life, but I feel like a stranger. But worse than that, I'm overwhelmed because I feel so far away from God. From the tabernacle. From the altar in front of it. From the place of worship. From the ordinary and regular means of grace. My heart is overwhelmed. But now if we ask David, what is the main reason why your heart is overwhelmed? No doubt he would say, because of my own sin. That fourthly would be a reason why he would say these words, especially because for David, these difficult circumstances were the direct consequences for his sin. God had told him, the sword will never depart from your family so that for Absalom to rise up and to seek to take the life of his father was the consequences for his own sin in committing adultery and murdering a man. And such heavy consequences are enough to make any man, any woman say, my heart is overwhelmed. But even if there are no direct consequences for our sin, sin by itself is sufficient to make us feel this way. It's true of the the guilt of sin, that heavy burden when I know that I've done something wrong, when I've offended my God, when I've provoked Him, there's shame there. And then there's the the power, the pollution of sin. And the struggle against it. So for these reasons, David could say, my heart is overwhelmed. And what is it for you, child of God? What is it that makes you feel as though you're being buried or drowning? What is it that makes you feel so weak and feeble as though you are ready to faint? Is it on account of the difficult circumstances? The loss of a loved one? Or the loss of something else cherished? Is that on account of some sickness or pain? On account of a recent procedure or an upcoming procedure from a medical point of view? Or is it the mounting responsibilities and pressures at work? 
Is it the burden of trying to raise a family as a mother in the home with all the children and all the busyness that comes with it? Or do you say this because of your enemies? Because of the devil and his constant accusations? Because of the world and the pull that it has in seeking to draw us away? Or because of that old man of sin that rears its ugly head again and again and again? Or is it because you feel isolated? Cut off? Lacking a close friend or companion? No ear to listen to you. No hand to help you. Or is it that you feel far removed from God Himself? Maybe for the aged saints who listen in each Sunday via the live stream. Maybe you feel as though you are on the edge of the earth. For though you live within a five minutes drive of church, you cannot be here Sabbath day to Sabbath day. Is it one of those things? Or is it your sin? That sense of guilt and shame on account of what we've done. That struggle with the old man of sin, the, the corruption within us so that the evil that we would not do, we find ourselves doing. And the good that we would do, we're unable to do. So there's this constant battle. There's this constant struggle. So much so that I even at times struggle with bitterness, resentment towards God Himself. Insofar as you find yourself saying this morning, my heart is overwhelmed. Take comfort knowing that you are not alone in that. You're not alone. The devil wants you to think otherwise. The devil wants to convince us that no Christian, no true child of God has ever felt so low, so depressed, so overwhelmed. He wants us to think that I am walking in the middle of a dark valley that no Christian has ever had to pass through before. And at times, he's very successful in this. At times, he convinces us that no one has ever had it so bad as I have it right now. And when he convinces us of that, it plays right into his purposes because then we feel all the more weak, all the more overwhelmed. and We are truly ready to faint. But we must recognize that we are not alone in this struggle. Child of God, you are not the first and only person to ever say, my heart is is overwhelmed. And the proof is right here. It's written down in black and white on the pages of Scripture. 
And what's so striking is that this is, this is David writing this. This is not some spiritual weakling. This is not just some random figure in the book of the Bible that we know nothing about. But this is the king of Israel. An office bearer in the church. The faithful shepherd who, who rescued sheep from lions and from bears. The mighty warrior who stood fearlessly before Goliath. This is the man after God's own heart. Saying, when my heart is overwhelmed. And what he's doing is giving expression to what we've all felt in our heart to one degree or another throughout our lives. He's, he's giving voice to the experience of the child of God. You are not alone in that feeling. Read the book of Psalms. And you will find every emotion, every struggle that you've experienced in some way captured, articulating the very struggles that you find within your own heart and soul. And there's comfort in that. But what is even more comforting is that Christ Himself knew what it was to be overwhelmed. And if you do not believe Me, then make your way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Observe your Savior the night before His crucifixion. Listen in to Him as He speaks with His disciples. For the Scriptures tell us, And He taketh with Him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed. That is, He was struck with terror. He's distressed. And then it adds, He was sore amazed and to be heavy. And He saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful Unto death. He might as well have said the very words of the text that we're considering. My heart is overwhelmed. And it was overwhelmed because placed upon Him was the heavy burden of our sin and all of the guilt of it. And within hours, He is going to be condemned to the accursed death of the cross of Calvary. And that cross, that that tree would be laid upon Him. And He would experience His own weakness according to His human nature and that He would buckle under the weight of that cross. He would faint under the weight of that cross. But the worst of it was that for three hours when all was dark, God sent upon him all of the waves, all of the billows of his wrath against our sin. And though our Savior did not cry out during those 
three hours of darkness, surely the cry within his own soul during those three hours was, My heart is overwhelmed. Because he was forsaken of God himself. Not just feeling off in the distance, not just removed from Jerusalem, but truly forsaken of God. That's what he endured. And the significance of that is twofold. On the one hand, it means he is a sympathetic Savior. We've been making that point. You are not alone, child of God. And that feeling, that sense of being overwhelmed. And here we're saying it's not just the other Christians that you know. It's not just David and the others that we read about on the pages of Scripture. But it's Christ Himself. He came down into this world and walked the very darkest valleys there were. He knows what it's like so that when our hearts are overwhelmed, He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's sympathetic towards us and thus He hears us when we cry. That on the one hand is the significance, but on the other hand, the significance, and more importantly, is that this is our salvation. The fact that He was willing to come into this world to take that heavy burden of our sins upon Himself, to go to the cross, to bear the punishment that we deserve. He was paying the debt that we owe. He was fulfilling all righteousness. He accomplished our salvation. And thus He has become for us the rock of our salvation. And it's knowing this truth about Jesus Christ that He is our rock that leads us to cry when our hearts are overwhelmed. God, lead me to that rock. That's the humble petition that we find in this passage. That was the humble petition that arose from David's own heart and mouth. Verse 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. And now here's the petition. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It is noteworthy that he makes this petition from the end of the earth. That though he is far removed from the place where God was pleased to dwell in a symbolic way in the midst of his people, yet David could still cry out unto him and God would still hear him. Reminding us that we can lift up our prayers to God from any place over this whole vast creation and our omnipresent God will hear us. And his cry is that he would be led to the rock that is higher than I. This is a prayer that, a prayer for safety, for protection, for security, because the symbolism of a rock is that it is a picture of something firm, immovable. Rocks are sure, they are reliable, and thus to be up on top of a rock is to be in a place of safety and security. To be hid in the cleft of a rock is to be 
given a place of shelter and protection. And David has in view the rock that is higher than I. Down here, I'm in the midst of trouble. Down here, my enemies continue to assault me and to attack me. Down here, those waves, those billows continue to crash into me again and again. Therefore, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lift me up, Lord. And put me out of the reach of my enemies. Lift me up, Lord, and above the waves and the billows of the storm in my life. And it's very noteworthy that he's asking God to bring him there. Notice that the language here. The psalmist says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me because I cannot get there myself. I'm so weak. I'm so feeble. I'm ready to faint. I can't make my way up there. I'm not capable of climbing that rock. I need you to lead me there. To bring me there powerfully and effectually. Lift me up and set me on that rock. That's David's humble prayer. And it's really a prayer that God would bring David to Himself because God is our rock. And David understood that. And that comes out from the next psalm, Psalm 62. Another psalm of David according to the heading. And we read in verses 1 and 2, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. Same language in verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation. God is David's rock. God is our rock. Because God is the Almighty One. Strong enough to support us as we lean against Him and lean upon Him. Strong enough to help us in the midst of our difficulties for there's nothing too hard for this God. And what is more is the Rockies unchanging. In the midst of the billows, He remains immovable, sure, and steadfast. No one who has ever leaned upon Him has ever been put to shame. He is the ever faithful God. And He never gives way to those who put their trust in Him. And thus as the rock, He is our source of safety and protection. David goes on to say in verse 3 of Psalm 61, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. In Psalm 62, verse 2, when David says, He only is my rock and my salvation, he adds, He is my defense. This is the God who keeps me safe, who defends me, who protects me, who guards me, who preserves me. God is my rock. 
And now David's prayer is that God himself would lead him to the rock. That is, that God himself would bring him, would bring David to himself. And David prays this, knowing God's past faithfulness. Verse 3 is past tense. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower for my enemy. And now in light of God's past faithfulness, in light of God's character as our rock and our salvation, David is praying that God in His sovereign grace would bring him to a place of safety and security. I am too weak to get there myself. And therefore, God, I need You to reach down, as it were, and to rescue me. This is a prayer of humble dependence. David is casting himself upon God when he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we are to make this prayer our own. And as those living in the New Testament, we pray this prayer in light of God's revelation of Himself in Jesus Christ. So that for us, we recognize that Christ is the rock of our salvation. Jesus Christ is the Almighty One who's able to speak a word and to cause all the storms, all of the raging to cease in a moment. He is the unchanging One, the One who is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. And He is our place of safety, security. The One who holds us safely, firmly in the palm of His hand so that no man can pluck us out of it. He is our rock. And therefore, He is the answer to all of those things that would otherwise overwhelm our hearts. Because whatever trials we may face, whatever difficult circumstances may come upon us, He's the one who's sovereign over all of them. He's ruling from His throne in heaven. Controlling the storms that rage in our lives. And when He does permit the storm to come, He also promises to give to us His all-sufficient grace to support us, to uphold us in the midst of that difficulty. And as for our enemies, well, He has conquered them. He has won the victory over the devil and the wicked world and our own sinful flesh so that our enemies cannot so much as move apart from His will. And in Jesus Christ, there's the strength to do battle against those enemies. And when we feel isolated, cut off, well, we have a Savior who is with us to the end of the earth. That was His promise. And He did good on that promise by sending His own Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, to live and to dwell within us so that we are never truly alone. 
And He gives us His Word whereby He speaks to us. Now what about our sins? Well, with regards to our sins, this Jesus, this rock of our salvation was a cleft for us. For you see, those waves, those billows of God's wrath really deserve to come upon us. We are the ones who sinned. And thus, we are the ones who deserve to suffer the agonies, the torments of hell itself so that what we deserve is nothing less than to cry for all eternity, my heart is overwhelmed on account of God's fury against my sin. But the saving work of Jesus Christ is that He hit us in the cleft of the rock so that those waves and billows, instead of coming crashing down upon us, they fell upon Him. He endured the punishment that we deserve. He suffered the just for the unjust. So that not one drop of God's wrath, of His destroying wrath, will ever come upon us. So that for us, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no punishment left for us to bear on account of our sins. And thus He is the answer to our sin. So that if this morning our hearts are overwhelmed on account of our sin, the guilt of it, the the power of it, we go to the cross where we find the forgiveness of sins and the strength to do battle. Congregation, behold the rock of your salvation. And let us cry out together. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in Thee. That is, let us cry out the words of this text, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And we do need to be led. Not just for the first time, certainly for the first time, that we're led to the rock that is given faith and empowered to believe in Jesus Christ, we must be led, but really, that continues all throughout our lives. Especially when we are so overwhelmed, when we feel that weakness. There are times that in our soul we feel so dry, so cold, so empty. There's there's no vigor. There's no life there. Thus, we find ourselves unable to reach the rock that is higher than we are. Others might even encourage us. Look to the rock of your salvation. Trust in Him and in our heart we are saying in response, I know you're right. That's what I should do. But I cannot find it within myself to get there. That's how weak I am. And it's in those moments that this psalm is giving us the very prayer to make. 
the prayer to raise to our God, lead me to that rock because I cannot get there myself. This is essentially a prayer saying, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. This is a prayer of faith, asking for faith. God, work in me the firm persuasion that Jesus Christ is indeed my rock. That He will be my shelter, my strong tower. Father, give me the assurance that He will cover me under the shadow of His wings. So that in this prayer, we're acknowledging our own weakness. And we're praying that God, by His sovereign grace, would strengthen our faith and work in us both the will to believe as well as the act of believing so that we are led to the rock that is higher than I, our Savior Jesus Christ. And now the good news for us this morning is that this is a prayer that God will surely answer. For the clear testimony of Scripture, and especially the Psalms, is that this God hears and answers our prayers. Psalm 102, verse 17, He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. Psalm 50, verse 15, And call upon Me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify Me. Psalm 80, verse 30, He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. These passages are telling us our God hears and answers our prayers. And He does so for the sake of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything in me, but on the basis of the satisfaction and the merits of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's knowing that that's the the basis, the reason that He hears and answers my prayer that gives me confidence. Congregation, do you really think that having given His Son to die on the cross for you, He is now going to leave you? Abandon you in your moment of greatest need? He will not. For Christ's sake, He will not. He hears and answers prayer. Even as He did for David. And we see that in this very psalm because if we look at the progression of this psalm, we see David's faith rising. His faith being strengthened. In verse 2, his heart is overwhelmed, but by verse 4, we already read notes of trust. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. And that continues. Verse 6, he says, Thou wilt prolong the king's life. He's confident. So much so that by the end of the psalm, he's already saying how he's going to praise God because of God's faithfulness in his life. Verse 8, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. 
What's going on here? God is answering David's prayer by strengthening his faith. David is being led to the rock that is higher than he is. So that he starts out feeble, weak, ready to faint. And by the end, he's praising God and singing praise and singing to him. God heard and answered his prayer. God led him to the rock. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he does the same for us. He led us to that rock, first of all, when he gave us the gift of faith. And led us by his Spirit to believe in Jesus Christ. And Claire, that's what God has done for you. You have professed your faith in Jesus Christ this morning. You have, in essence, said to this congregation, this Jesus Christ, He is the rock of my salvation. And in that is the evidence of the Spirit of Christ at work in your heart leading you to that rock. And having done that, you may be sure He will continue to lead you there again and again. That's our confidence as we walk down life's pathway. So that when we reach that point in our lives, when we say with David, my heart is overwhelmed. And when by faith we take these very words, and lift them up to God in a prayer, we can be absolutely certain that by His Spirit and by means of His Word, He will powerfully, effectually lead us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, the One who is the rock of our salvation. Amen. Father in heaven, we give thee humble and thankful praise for our Savior Jesus Christ and the gift of faith whereby we believe in him. At the same time, we humbly acknowledge that there are many times that our faith grows weak, so that in our hearts we feel completely and utterly overwhelmed. In those times, Heavenly Father, lead us by Thy Spirit to the rock that is higher than we are. Lead us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Strengthen our faith in Him. Hear this prayer. And we are confident that Thou wilt. For Jesus' sake. Amen.